Hey, it's your host, Brittany, and welcome to the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast, where we talk all things life, health, fitness, kids, relationships, you name it, nothing is off the table. A little bit of just me and a whole lot of knowledgeable guests. So throw on your Lulus to run or to mom, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and join us as we unpack life's pressing topics and learn a little bit more of the who, what, whys of it all. Or at the very least, get real, share some wisdom, and grab practical tips to help in our daily lives. So it's a beautiful place of growth for me as well, because I get to self-reflect and say, well, where am I? Where do I have gaps? Where am I missing what I need to be seeing in all of this? And where do I have room to grow? So I thank them for giving that to me because it's this insider information that I wouldn't have otherwise that I value so much in my own growth and development. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning back in. After a bit of a summer hiatus, I am back and ready for fall. I have some amazing interviews lined up with wonderful guests, so many inspiring, inspirational stories, and I cannot wait for you all to listen in. Today, my guest on the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast is the incredible Sunny Joe Lawrence. Trust me when I say that you are going to love this episode. I came across Sunny Joe as I was following her husband, James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, in his Conquer 100 journey. We spoke of the ups and downs of such a journey, what it looked like to be the organizer and the support system and the keeper together of all the things life and family, as Sunny's family took on James's Conquer 100 triumph. What does Sunny's life look like with five kids, a goal-oriented household, and keeping her values still in check? Well, you're going to have to tune in today to find out. So let's just dive in and I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. And do you go by Sunny, Sunny Joe? How do I address you properly? Yeah, whatever you want. I go by both. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sunny, for being here today. I'm excited to get to know you. I think maybe if we can start by you giving us a little bit of your background and who you are. And I know that many of us kind of know of you also through being Iron Cowboy representation and full on cheer squad as of lately. But I know that there's so much more to you also. So I'm in awe of all of that you do. So give us a bit of a bio on yourself. Okay. So I grew up here in Utah. I was seven of eight kids, a female dominated family. So I didn't know anything about gender roles or any of that stuff until I was in my thirties, because my dad raised us to be like boys, you know, he had so many daughters that were all very strong and independent women. And I grew up playing sports. I played basketball and softball mostly. And I've always loved fitness. So I've loved anything where it's moving, you know, whether it's rollerblading or riding a bike, or I mean, even just like scootering, you know, the kind you push, not the electrical kind, (laughs) (laughs) the new, new days. (laughs) Yeah. I've changed, but you know, hiking, anything. I love being outside. I love anything that puts my body in motion. So when James and I met, he, it was interesting that we met in a class, but we actually, he actually asked me out at the gym at the first time we started noticing each other at the gym, went to the same gym. And so our relationship has kind of always been off fitness because it's the only thing we have in common we joke all the time that salads and sushi are the only two things we have in common. Besides that, we are polar opposites. And then I'm like, well, I guess fitness, but even our fitness goals and stuff are totally different. So I like to run. I've always loved running and people say they hate it. And I'm like, I just love it. I love to run. And so I always wanted to run a marathon. So James, I did this traditional four mile fun run every 
Thanksgiving and I got him to come once and he nearly killed him. And that's kind of what moved us into endurance sports. But, you know, I'd always just kind of run for fitness because lifting weights and stuff has always been my jam. I'm, I'm quite muscular, but I, I ran to stay in shape. I also didn't own a car until I was 25, which is unusual for this area. I mean, of course, Manhattan, that's not unusual, but I rode my bike everywhere. So I've been riding a bike my whole life, even if it was just for commuting. So transitioning into cycling was quite comfortable for me. And I've, I love cycling. So triathlon is something I love, but I love swimming, biking, and running. I don't necessarily love triathlon. I've never <laughs> All been, at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, and I just, I've never been competitive and you know, that's, I mean, I could have, I've always been extremely athletic, but I never had that competitive drive. I just enjoyed doing it. So triathlon is kind of the same thing where I enjoyed doing it. I never had that drive to like kill. And it's the sport evolved. I lost interest in it because I didn't like the competitive elitism that kind of came with the sport. It took the fun out of it. So I still love to swim, bike and run, but I don't do them as triathlon, whereas James loves it, right? He loves the competitive side of it. He loves the whole, it rules my life kind of side of it, where I definitely like to dabble in lots of different kinds of things. I like to say that I'm great at a lot of things and I'm not amazing at anything because I love variety. I love I mean, from even music, you know, it's like, I love classical music. I love country. I love hip hop. I love oldies. I love Neil Diamond and Anne Murray. You know, I have this, that's, that describes my life as well, as far as my hobbies and food and everything. I love a variety. So that's kind of me in a nutshell is I love, you know, variety in my life. I love action. I love doing things. I love people. I love connecting. So Oh, well, I think that you need to have a passion and find, you know, certain drives for things. And if you're not loving one thing, then, you know, it's not where you're suited to be. So definitely sometimes I find, you know, being in a, in the race setting, it is such a different mental side of it. And when you're not feeling it, you're not going to get to that finish line. You have to actually have a mental connection to that. Otherwise the physical body will not get there either. Definitely. I mean, the body is controlled by the mind. Anybody who doesn't know that is naive, right? Absolutely. Ignorant for that matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. So you are down in Utah. You have a beautiful family, five kids. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This boy. Oh, amazing. And I loved following along on the Conquer 100, which became 101, shocking feat. But I loved that, like, the whole family was a part of it. And from all of that, I was just in awe of you. And I know that there's so many avenues of, you know, watching James and the physical feat and accomplishment of that. But as a mother myself, too, and just how do you even get your head around how did you prepare for that? And how were you able to? you know, stay you stay strong. And I'm sure trying to stay positive for all the, the rest of your family, five kids and James. (laughs) Mom knows that she sets the mood of the home. So I imagine, you know, these moments of chaos that is, as long as the mom keeps it together, the whole family keeps together. So I knew that I knew it was imperative, but the truth is, is that this has been a journey in the building. So it all started out in you know, I mean, his first world record was 2010, but the preparation before that, you know, it starts before that is the entire world hits recession, particularly the United States. And, you know, things in our whole life got turned upside down. And I like to tell people that people always say, I hate change. And I'm like, they, they say things like this. Yeah. I don't deal well with change. I'm like, 
you and everybody else on this planet. It's not like anybody likes change. And if they do, they are the outlier. I mean, change is, it's hard for anybody, but what we really don't like is disruption. So we don't like having disruption in our lives. And James and I going through the recession, we had this disruption. And so we had a choice in that disruption to take it with a good attitude or to victimize ourselves or to seize an opportunity for growth and development. And, you know, so it was really important for me to make sure that I set the mood in the home and with the family, that this was an opportunity for growth and through the suffering. And it was immense suffering. There's still always light shining. And so I chose to focus on that light, which in turn I shared with my family, particularly my children. So they learned that adversity and disruption are amazing, even if there's chaos all around them, because it's where our mind is. So I taught them that at a young age. And so, you know, it's not like I have a blended family or like I've adopted an older child. I was able to nurture these kids from the time they were born, even, even before then, and teach them the way I wanted to teach them and teach them the principles I want to teach them. So when it came all the way into the hundred, we had already as a family learned to work together as a team. And we've learned to kind of lean on each other and maximize each other's strengths. It was really important for me to avoid sibling rivalry and to avoid the one-upping. And I didn't, I don't like that. That's so weird to me because we're all on our own journey. So that was very important to me. So it moved quite naturally into the hundred, having had the experiences we've had with the world records and with the 50. And of course, everybody's older and more mature now, and they see the project for what it was. So it was beautiful to have everybody get involved in their own way Mm -hmm. and to enjoy the project in their own personal endeavor, as opposed to like, oh, this is dad's thing and we have to help out. Each of them found their own purpose, their own role, but that came from teaching them all along the way. So when it came, they were prepared to find that. I love that. And you can really take all that analogy into this also the past year of COVID and, you know, the fear of the change and now all of us having to change and, you know, like, and adapt and grow. And for so many, it is such a scary, uncertain time, but it's how you look at that outlook. And for myself and our family specifically, we took it as this is an opportunity where we're going to have just the family of five time. We will never be able to have that amount of time together ever again. The kids are getting older. You know, the world doesn't stop like that. I supported it and promoted it. That's what you're never going to get again. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And as you did and do in your family, I love that. And that's the crazy part is it's like, People went into this year with COVID saying, oh my gosh, everything's uncertain. Every morning when you get out of bed, life is uncertain. It is no different than every other day of our lives. And yeah, there may be some like, well, what are we going to do if we run out of toilet paper? I mean, but we live in a world of improvisation. It's like we improvise for everything. When we're out at a nice dinner and our skirt rips, We improvise, you know, whether it's a safety pin or a bobby pin or a piece of tape, whatever it is, we figure out how to make that skirt not fall off our body. You know, it's like, that's what we do as human beings and what's what we've always done. So it was interesting that with COVID, it created this sense of panic when in reality, it was what we've always done. It was just a little bit of disruption and a little bit of shakeup. So, you know, and I've been through some really hard times. And so it's not like I'm just saying that like, oh, well, I sat comfortable for COVID. Sorry, you lost your job. You know, it's like, 
those times came for me 10 years ago and you figure it out. Yeah. Well, and I was actually recently listening to Ed Milet's podcast with James on it. And Wasn't he fabulous. So good. I mean, both of them so well articulated, yes. like so good. But the one thing that really stuck with me was what you had said to James. And he had said this on the podcast about, you know, like not knowing if he's going to be able to do it again tomorrow. And, and the mantra that just stuck in his mind of just, you know, just now, like you have to live live in the present. And that is such a blessing and sometimes so easily forgotten when we're not just like right here, this is all we can handle right now is currently not like the three more miles, let alone the 30 more days. Can you imagine if James finishes at night and he's climbing into his hot shower on these freezing days with this hot meal and all he can think about is the misery tomorrow? No. (laughs) It's like, It's like you just did this thing today and it's done. And you get to climb into your warm bed and snuggle up and just check out like you're gone forever. And in this case, he's climbing on the massage table. He's going to be taken care of for the next two hours. Then he's climbing into his bed. And it's like that moment of just turning in and just being like, it's, I get to snuggle up and just disappear. I did that. Yes. Imagine if he wasted all of that on thinking about tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day. It was like, what a tragedy. What a tragedy that would have been had he not been able to fix that mindset, you know, of being like, but right now I'm in a hot shower and I'm going to climb into a snuggly bed and no one's going to bother me. You know how much we would miss out on life if we always live that way. Right. Fast forwarding to when our kids are five instead of baby, because it's so exhausting or, you know, fast forwarding to that vacation. But until we get there, we're missing life currently. Like blink our eyes and go, oh my gosh, it's July. What today? Yeah, exactly. Beginning of COVID. We were like, oh, the world. And here we are a year and a half later. Absolutely. That fast. Right. Absolutely. So Sunny, I went onto your website. So you said that you are starting on your own career path and super excited about this. So what is this? Tell me about it. So I feel sometimes I feel like reserved about this because it's totally cliche. Everybody wants to share their story and be a part of the world. But I truly believe it's like my calling to connect with people, particularly with women. I get a lot of attention from you know, the women that hear these stories and they're like, who is the wife behind all of this? And actually it surprises me because a lot of the men too are like, I need marriage therapy. You know, like how are, how are you guys making this work? So it surprises me that I get as much attention from the men as I do, because I expected it to be more about connection with the women. But I find that in today's day and age, a lot of women are struggling. And of course, a lot of people are, but my niche, because I'm a woman and because I'm a mother, is these moms that kind of get lost in this mix of motherhood and wifehood and what society expects from us. And, you know, I kind of have this attitude of like, who cares, man? Because I was raised that way. And when it when I did struggle with things, I managed to conquer them and to master them. And so I want to connect with women because I have, I mean, somebody showed up at my house the other day unexpected and was like, I'm like, Hey, you know, and she's like, I just wanted to connect with somebody and, you know, I don't have any friends and I want to be friends with you. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, just, but I'm like, that's a person with a need that I'm like, I can connect with this person and help them figure out this journey. Cause she was sharing with me that she was struggling in this 
path of, of motherhood and her identity being raised to believe certain things. And she didn't know if that's who she actually wanted to be. And so I've had a lot of the people that are working with James are like, we want your wife to come and speak. We want your wife to be at this women's retreat. And so I've accidentally moved into this speaking career, you know, and I have a lot of moms contacting me for podcasts and it was interesting. I had these two guys contact me and I was like, Oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what their podcasts are, but there's tons of podcasts. And Absolutely. They, they were these two guys. One was from Lebanon, was in Lebanon. One was in LA. I'm assuming he was Lebanese, but they're like, well, we just try to find cool people. And so we wanted to talk to you. And it turns into this whole parenting podcast. And these guys were, I mean, they're young, they're in their twenties and they're blown away at the things I'm saying. And I'm like, to me, this feels like common sense. I forget the wisdom I have that people don't have. So I want to share that with people to help them simplify their journey Mm -hmm. and to avoid long time suffering. It's okay to suffer, but when you go 10 and 20 years and you haven't figured out your path and you can't figure out this balance, that's what I want to talk to women about and connect with them. So you know, the demand was tremendous. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's kind of like how I'm moving into this. And I love it. I've always been a people person. I've always connected well. I don't have any problem, you know, being up on a stage or anything like that. So that's kind of the path that I feel like God's leading me down. So, well, and you said accidentally fell in here. And I, I want to say, I don't think that you accidentally fell into anything like the words and the way that you can articulate things are so amazing and powerful, but you also do have life lessons and so many other things to offer. So it's definitely, you know, something is calling you to do that. I definitely agree with you there. And it's exciting because it's like, oh, this is scary and new. And it's like, well, what do I do? And so the idea is just start doing something and wait for stuff to come in. You know, it's like we spent the last week in Tennessee and the feedback I get is amazing is the wife and the supporter. But the other part that is important to me is the message that, you know, the passenger seat's not so bad. You know, James may be driving the car, but I'm eating candy and I'm changing the radio and I'm taking a nap and, you know, I can roll the window down or control the air. And it's like, but at the same time, people don't realize that that part of his journey is a part of my journey as well. Mm -hmm. So his journey has built my journey. And I wasn't ready for something until now because I had these kids and it was really important for me to be with them. And now they're getting older. I'm like, okay, well, I've got the second half of my life. What do I want to do? And it's kind of unfolded for me and it's been very beautiful, but I had to be ready and I had to kind of be working and heading into it, not resisting and not hiding and not, you know, I had to kind of get myself out there. So that's been pretty exhilarating because I've been at home with my kids for 15 years, you know? Absolutely. I hear you there. And I relate to you on that level too, finding something that is for you, but also finding like for me wanting to do this podcast, I looked back in journals and I'm like, that was years ago that I really wanted to start this and didn't have the courage to do that till just this past December. And it's just finding that need of connection. And I think that that's where I didn't have it this year through COVID. We were all so separated and I'm like, oh, I just, you know, there's a desire of connecting. And when you are more of a social person and wanting that there are lessons that you can help teach, learn, build upon. And yeah, I definitely relate to you on that side. Well, the beautiful part of it is too, is what I draw from these people. So when a guy comes to me and says, I have all these problems in my marriage, I need to find out how we can make my wife be more like you. And I'm like, okay, back it up, (laughs) you know, 
But then as I talk with him and I discuss what's going on in his relationship, just as a friend, you know, just hearing him out, I'm hearing the things he's saying about his wife and her behavior. And I'm saying, do I do that? Do I act like that? Do I respond to that? Am I not showing enough support and affection? Am I not, you know, am I offering what I want to offer as opposed to what James maybe needs? Am I, you know, I I have a lot of teenagers in my life and they come and talk to me and pour their hearts and souls out. And then I say to myself as a mother, am I doing that? Am I guilty of that as well? Do I have, so it's a beautiful place of growth for me as well, because I get to self-reflect and say, well, where am I? Where do I have gaps? Where am I missing what I need to be seeing in all of this? And where do I have room to grow? So I thank them for giving that to me because it's this insider information that I wouldn't have otherwise that I value so much in my own growth and development. So I like that. A constant like evolve for yourself at the same time. Definitely. So over the past few months, and as you went into Conquer 100 with your family, maybe where was your biggest growth that you saw in yourself that you didn't really anticipate? And, and, you know, here more than 101 days later, you look back and see. I think my life lesson, I'm the most organized person in the world. I get crap done and I think about things until they're done. So it's like, if I have this thing I need to get done, I think about it, think about it, think about it. So I was, James is the opposite where he's like, ah, get around to it. And I say to him, how do you not sit and think about that all the time until it's finished? He's like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm over here thinking about what I'm doing, (laughs) you know? So he's been really good to kind of teach me that. But one of my life lessons is to learn patience and adaptation. And so through this journey, I mean, even just being married to James, I have like this methodical plan and nothing ever goes according to plan. That's why it's so funny to me when someone's like, oh, but you don't understand change is so hard. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like <laughs> every day Absolutely. I'm like, I can do this. I can be unpredictable and I can be spontaneous and I don't have to have a plan, you know, but during the hundred, nothing was predictable. And we had this fake prediction and assumption based on our experiences of the past, particularly the 50. So I told James, he was uninvited to this planning meeting and me and the wingmen sat down and we said, okay, so what happened on the 50 that we want to prevent from happening this time around? Well, the majority of those things were due to logistics. So 70% of those issues are out the window. They're gone because logistics are not an issue. Mm-hmm. But then we start to review like, okay, you know, how, what are some of these other issues? And one of the big one was people. And we had to decide who was in, who was out. And we had to cut people off. And there were some friendships ruined because if the motive wasn't pure, you're out. And it, it, to me, it's like, that's ah, a business decision. It's not going to work. You're out. But to them, it's personal, right? And so now this friendship's ruined or whatever. So that was something that was hard, but it was doing what was best and right for us in the project and not making it about someone's feelings, but also the ability to adapt. So every day, you know, there's James like, oh, it's going to be easy this time. It'll be so different. And I'm like, oh, it's not. You're the biggest liar in the world. I know it. Because he's always, in his mind, it's always simple, right? He doesn't overthink things. and But I'm the one that's like, well, I have to execute this plan and make this happen. Mm-hmm. You just have to swim, bike, and run. i got to make sure everything else is organized. Exactly. So my, <laughs> in my mind, I knew it wasn't as simple as he was, it was the sales pitch. But then every day was twice as complex as I ever expected. So every day was adaptation, adaptation, adaptation. And frankly, making sure my mood was appropriate because it didn't matter that for the first 30 days I was sleeping two hours a night. 
I had to maintain a good attitude. I had to be cheerful in the home, make sure I maintained everyday life. And, you know, I had to keep it together. And it wasn't in a fake way, but it was in an, I committed to this. I'm seeing this through, but I have control of my mind and my actions. And I got to make sure I keep the mood right in this house, particularly for James. So adapting every day to James's mood, the temperatures outside, how his body was feeling, what was going on with the family, how we were dealing with people who were showing up to support him. That comes very complex. I mean, imagine the most annoying person in the world walking with you for seven hours is you're suffering thinking you're going to die, right? A whole new level of complexity. So it was managing all those, but never finding a routine. And I'm like, that is God's lesson to me is like, you don't get to plan everything. You don't get to have predictability. You don't get to have the whole thing laid out for you. You get to just have faith and every day take a step and trust that it's the right direction and adapt. So for me, that was the most uncomfortable thing about the hundred that made me just like every day, like you got to see this through and it's time to adapt again, you know? And I'm like, but why this thing worked for two days and third day it's changed up. And it was never like a week. It wasn't like we got this week of, of fluid, nice. It was never that it was like two days and then total disruption, two days, total disruption. So that by far was the most complex part and the most personal growth for me is being like, you just adapt and figure it out. You adapt and figure it out. And talking about it, I'm still like, oh, I just hated that. You know? <laughs> they hated you, you obviously had to adapt and you had to live in the change and be okay with living in that change. So that would definitely be a very big learning lesson. <laughs> and because the whole journey is unprecedented. It's like, no one's ever done this before. No one knows what to expect. And the people who've come the closest were us. So it's it's a matter of saying, I know what this is. I know what I'm signing up for. It makes me cringe, but I experienced my own heart through this journey as did James, right? Parallel instead of like the same thing. Have you ever done an endurance sport? Let's say like in one day (laughs) that that would compare to put yourself in a mental state as of what maybe James was seeing day in, day out. Yeah. I mean, because I've done so much endurance racing and But I just, I pursue hard things. I like them. I love to suffer. I love to do things just because I don't like them. So to me, it's a very natural state for me, which is why, you know, talking about the adaptation, I'm just like, I hate it, but I love it because I love the the challenge. So to me, whether it's a, there was this one year, okay. It was in Ironman St. George. It was a half. And it was 96 degrees and the entire run is on blacktop and there's no shade. And my mind is literally telling me, you need to find shade. And I'm looking like my body's in defense mode. It's looking for shade. Like my body's panicking because it's so hot. I mean, the asphalt's got to be 180 degrees, right? And I'm panicking I'm panicking and I'm like, you're good. And I would imagine myself playing in the snow with my kids because I love the snow. I imagine myself up in the cabin in a cabin in the winter. And, you know, I had ice in my sports bra and ice in my hand. I was just like, think of being cold. Think of being cold. And actually, in 2012, we lived in a house without heat. And it was so cold that I would get in the hot tub after I'd swim and get so hot I couldn't bear it before I'd go home or I'd never warm up all day. So I'd remind myself, remember when you were so cold 
that you, you wouldn't warm up all day. And I would take my mind to that place, but that was a very desperate place that my mind was literally panicking, saying, you need to find shade. You need to find shade. Like it was freaking out, but moments like that, I like, I'm just like, no, you're going to master this with your mind. So I've definitely experienced quite a bit of that in many ways. And in particular, that endurance event, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how hot it was that day. Okay. Why are we adverse to difficulty? You know, I'm like every generation since the beginning of time has lived in difficulty, whether it was war or famine or bondage, you know, I'm like, why is this generation so adverse to hard things? And in fact, my second daughter, Lily, she does nails at home and has a business, but she loves to lifeguard. So she lifeguards in the summer. Well, this year they wanted to promote her, which would entail a 35 hour work week. And she's like, do you think I can do it? Do you think I can handle it? I won't make as much money. You know, she makes way more money. And I'm like, Lily, yeah. go for it. Who cares? Who cares if it's hard? Who cares if it's complex? Who cares if you're making less money? I'm like, you're 17. This Absolutely. is the time to get experience and to, you know, do different things. It's not about the money when you're 17. And so she did it and it's hard. I mean, she's working with all these people that are complaining about they're two years older than her. And they're complaining about their 20 hour work week. She's working 35, doing nails, and she's taking two summer classes as well. She's taking classes right now. And guess what? And and she just started the 75 hard. She's managing it with grace. She's learning at 17 to pursue hard things intentionally. And she's thriving. We all know we're, we're more productive when we're busy, right? But she's thriving. And I'm like, what is with this world today that's like, what's the easiest way around all this? That's just not the way we work. It's just, in this house, particularly, it's like, we love well, your kids work. are very lucky to have you guys because that, yeah, absolutely. Teaching them hard work is it's so few and far between. It seems like out there these days. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> James says, and frustrating. Like, <laughs> frustrating. He's like, our kids will always have the best jobs because they're a diamond in the rough. They are the ones showing up on time, not calling in sick to work, going the extra mile. In fact, just yesterday, Lily said, Hey, did you make my bed for me? And I was like, no, it wasn't me. And she's going through the family. Well, Lucy had taken all of her stuff out of the laundry, gone and made her bed, folded up her laundry and put it on her thing. And I'm like, Lucy could have thrown all in a basket, but instead, what does she do? She puts her sheets back on, puts her duvet cover back on, folds all of her laundry. That's the go the extra mile, right? And every employer is going to be looking for that. And our kids are never going to have a problem finding a job because no. Apparently it's hard to even show up to work today. Absolutely. Oh, I know. I heard something about like a few strikes and you're out recent. Like you yeah, actually had right. a few strikes yeah. to not show up. Was that on the same yeah podcast? I'm yeah, like, what? That. how is that even okay? Well, and the reason why is because this generation hasn't been taught. And so he's like, if I do one strike, I'm, I don't have any employees. So he's using the pool as a way to nurture these kids into a job. They hire a 15. So I feel like it's a kind of a beautiful and graceful thing to do. But at the same time, you're like, say what? You can retake your test how many times? You can do your homework in when? At the very end of the semester? I'm like, that is not the world we grew up in. You know, you had one shot. That was it. Right. And it's not a bad and and good. Yeah, exactly. There's two sides to that also. Absolutely. Not bad. It's just different. Just different. Yes. Yes. We have to adapt there. (laughs) We can't criticize this next generation, right? Nope. We need to just figure out how to adapt to their new generation and how to nurture them into becoming amazing human beings. 
not just sit and criticize and say, well, when I was growing up, it was way harder. Your life is so easy. You know, that's not going to do it. Because we've all heard that and we're kind of tired of that too, right? We don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) Right? Insert eye roll. Totally. So what is coming down the pipeline for you next? What any exciting endeavors? You have lots of speaking, it sounds like. Super excited for you there. A lot of people saying, we want a book, we want a book, we want a book. And I'm like, what on earth am I going to write a book about? So I'm just jotting down ideas, thoughts, concepts, experiences of, you know, growing up and things like that. And I'm just going to start creating content and then figure out what happens. And I think that's another part that, you know, is a lesson for me in this life is you don't get to know, you just got to wait, you got to do the work and you just need to see what unfolds. So I can't just sit and say, well, I'm going to wait for an opportunity to present itself. It's like, I have to pursue something. I have to be taking some kind of action. Then I'm standing out there in the universe. Like I'm willing to work for it, even if it's misdirected right now. So I'm kind of creating content and punching stuff down. And, you know, I've always kept a personal journal. I journaled all the days of the hundred. And so I have a lot of information that's been documented at the time. And I tried to put as much detail as I could and not be rushed in those journals. So I don't know, I'm just going to kind of create some content and i travel a bit with James and kind of get myself back out there and see what happens. But I just feel like this burning, like this is it. So watch out, Tony Robbins, I'm coming. Yes, you are. Absolutely. With a vengeance. <laughs> so one last question for you, Sunny. <laughs> Awesome. Do you have any sort of a routine that, I mean, outside of the 100, when you actually are into a normal weekday looking at, do you have a routine that you like to start your day off with that's just for you or maybe end your day with? I have always been an early bird. And typically most people aren't. And so my house is quite quiet in the mornings. So I kind of use that morning time to pray, meditate, reflect. I do, you know, some energy work and stuff. And, or when I head up to the mountains with the dog or whatever, I'll do that energy work and affirmations and kind of work through things like that that are bothering me. Another time that I found, which is new, that didn't used to exist is when James falls asleep at nine o'clock at night watching golf or something. And then <laughs> my kids aren't coming home till midnight. And so I kind of have this three hour gap in the evening also that I do a lot of stretching. I stretch every night before bed. I have my whole life, essentially I'll stretch and I'll just kind of decompress from the day. So I like to get stuff done and I'm tired at night. So that's when I kind of get to use that time to just be like, okay, I can chill. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting to see that evolution with the kids' ages changing. Absolutely. I can't imagine that quite yet. That kind of sounds very nice and peaceful. (laughs) Crazy. Cause all of a sudden they don't care about you anymore. It's like you leave town and nobody knows you're gone. And you're like, like, I can just walk out the door and no one cares. It's amazing. But then I look at little kids and I'm like, Oh, remember when I used to kiss their fat faces and squeeze their thighs and you know, these precious, or you you see this little four-year-old that says and does these things that you're like, Oh, I remember jotting down in a journal, all the random things that my kids would say, especially my fourth daughter. She's well known for these wild one-liners, but you know, that evolution, I I didn't miss anything. I was there for every moment. And this is the natural evolution of time, even though it gives you a little bit of a panic attack, like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. he's old now. And so now I'm reaping those rewards. I can travel with James and we can spend more time together and, you know, just this, no one's knocking on the door no one's trying to come in. Nobody cares. Right. So nice. (laughs) <laughs> it comes, it comes whether you're ready or not. 
Absolutely. And not wishing away that time either, because it's just living in, making your moments, really living in them at the same time. Yeah. And don't you want to be 55 and say, I didn't miss anything. Absolutely. You know, I didn't miss anything. That's peace of mind right there. Yeah. And they still love me and we, you know, didn't screw them up too badly. (laughs) This is what you do is you become friends, you know, when Lucy has good news and Lily has good news or bad news, who's the first person they call their mom. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like you become peers and friends and you're sharing shoes and, you know, it's just it becomes a friendship. And that's a really beautiful thing when you've nurtured the relationship appropriately as they become independent. You know, Lily said to me, I love it when you give me advice because I never regret listening to your advice. I was like, do you mean mothers would kill to hear that? You should write that down right now. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, she's like, you always say things. But the fact that she's open to listening and hearing and not just saying, oh, is mom running her mouth again, you know, telling me, lecturing me and this and that. But she's like, whenever I do what you tell me to do, I always am glad I did it. But that's a friend thing, right? That's mm-hmm. not really a mom and child thing. That's a friend thing. Like my friend gave me this advice and I listened. And But it's so- the trust and that's what you've developed and nurtured too, right? Exactly. And it's so fun when they get older. Mm-hmm. Hang out. <laughs> totally. Well, Sunny, thank you so much for spending the time with me and allowing me to get to know you a little bit more. I'm really excited to hear more about you, see you out and about, follow your journey. So get after it. Good luck with everything. Really excited for you. Do you have any advice for me? Oh my gosh. Mic flip. <laughs> you know, I have found a lot of things that you were saying, and I do really reap those as well. But this past year, COVID year has really taught me and my family what really does matter. And all the external, sometimes we try and allow the busy to just fill our life. And the busy doesn't allow us the silence that we need to really see what really truly matters. Mm -hmm. And although probably a lot of this past year, maybe was too silent at times. (laughs) It just, it was, it afforded us a time to build some really great bonds with our kids that we will never regret or forget. And to be able to sit in your silence sometimes and really listen to what you're needing. This world is a little too loud sometimes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank You you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're looking for more Sunny Joe, you can find her over on Instagram at Sunny Joe Lawrence. And until next week, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it. See you next week. You can find me on Instagram at MomSweatSam.